What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Friday, everybody. My name is Tyler Walters. I'm your host alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great. Energized. Energized. Yeah, Matthew's been down in monster energy for the last hour. <laughs> Before we get started here, go make sure you're following the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Make sure you're following Matthew at Matt, the chosen one with the number one, and myself at Tyler Walters CNR. Um, and we'll start right off the top with some plans for the show. So in the next week, things are, now that we're done with football season, we're kind of getting away from, you know, Mondays have typically been what just happened in football season or in college football season, and Fridays have typically been here's what's about to happen this weekend. Uh, that has ended, unfortunately. Football is dead for this year. It's it's sad. It's been tough. I've been lost, like, all week. I haven't known what to do. I've watched, I think, the national championship three different times now. Sheesh. I watched the the coaches uh, version of it, the, the coaches film room version of it that the other would day. That be kind of interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Gundy was on there. Um, Gary Patterson was on there. Uh... And then there was an there was an ACC coach. I want to say I'm I'm struggling to remember all of them. And then maybe another Big Twelve or a Big Ten coach. Um, Did you like how it looked? Whenever it will. It, it was. I mean, it was kind of boring. It was coaches talking over each other and like basically just boring. Like coach talk. It's what exactly what you think it is. It's just like <laughs> four coaches sitting in a room talking pretty boring about football. Like. They recognize everything immediately, and they, like, explain it to each other, like, not to the viewer. Like, yeah, so, like, if you have, like, a decent knowledge of football, like, you kind of get what's going on. Um, but, they, like, there were things even I missed. Like, you're watching it, and they say something, like, because they're talking in terms of coaching to three other coaches, and there's no analyst there to make them talk to, like, <laughs> a, like a normal person would talk. So if you're the average fan and you watch that, or, like, I wouldn't say average. I think the average fan would catch a bunch of it because they know football so well. If you're the casual fan and you watch that, you would have no idea what in the hell they were talking about. Yeah, because I could imagine it would be like cover one, cover one, yep, yep, check off. And then one thing, I always remember watching, I think, the Alabama-Georgia National Championship. Like, they immediately recognized cover one. Oh, the safety didn't get over. Oh, the safety you know, didn't get over. That's where two or through the long ball. Yeah. To the, I think. And it's like yeah. they recognize it immediately, call it out, they confirm it, so they don't have to explain it because another coach right there. But, yeah, that's probably more fun for a coach film. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're a high school coach or something, um, mm-hmm. it was maybe like, like useful, um, but I don't like. I don't know how many how many people actually watch that because I'm still confused. Like why ESPN does the mega cast? Like I don't, I don't, I don't really get that. So maybe it's because they don't want to suck up ratings if they put other program on different ESPN channels. But then it wouldn't matter because ESPN's still getting the ratings unless they just want to make their college football national championship one look good. Yeah. But if you're watching, like, why would a college football fan be watching the SEC Network when an SEC team is in the national championship? Like, that doesn't, uh, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. And be watching something like if they replace it with something different, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. But what I, I just can't imagine too many people are watching that. Maybe like tens of people. Yeah. Like, certainly not. You know, but I think most people just want to watch the normal broadcast. Um, I do think the home and away broadcast is kind of cool because on the on the SEC network the other night they had the LSU play by play guys calling the game. That was cool. I wish we got more of that in college football where I could sit down and listen to like right here in club. I could listen to Todd Ellis um, 
call it call the South Carolina game, but I'm watching the video. Because a lot of time, like with your local teams, like you've heard these stories that national guys talk about. You by the seventh or eighth week of college football, you've heard them fifteen times. Like and like like Ryan Holinsky had a bunch of storylines going on about him last year. By week eight, like I had heard the Ryan Holinsky like every single part of his story like fifteen times. Yeah. Whereas like your your local guys, they're gonna say it a couple times at the beginning, but after that, like they know everyone's kinda already heard it, so they don't keep repeating those same details. Like if something different, like if Ryan tells him something different, um about his story or whatever, like it gives him an update, maybe they'll throw that in. But they're not gonna keep repeating it. So I think it's cool to have the home broadcast. Like I would love to watch that for normal games. Um they and not that I can't blame the national guys because they come in on Thursday or Friday, they meet with the coaches, um, and then they do a little bit of research, and then they call the game on Saturday, and then they're done, and they have to go do a, another one the next week, and they need some they need some things to talk about during the game. So it's not really the blame is on them; it's just like the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's cool. But other than the home broadcast, like, what is? I don't I don't get the ESPN Mega Cast. Uh, but back to what we were talking about is the the show. So we're gonna change it a little bit. And we'll do a few different things on Monday and Friday. Um, and obviously, we're, we're talking more about, like, we got a good bit of basketball today as the seasons change. And hopefully, we'll have more guests. I know we've got we've got a guest. we got Lee Wardlaw, who is a freelance writer here in Columbus. He writes for Cola Daily, and he's written for a few other outlets. Um, used to write for when Bleacher Report was a fan page back in the day. Uh, Lee was writing as like a middle schooler. So <laughs> yeah. And the guy, he had someone he like answered to, there was like a, someone who edited his stuff. The guy had no clue. Lee has a note from him that he showed me. The guy had no clue that Lee was eight years old or in, in eighth grade. He assumed he was like 25, 26, just a normal dude watching sports. <laughs> Got his degree. Had no clue that he was in eighth grade writing for Bleacher Report at the time, which is you know, uh, it's it's funny, and that's kind of what made Bleacher Report, but that's still why I don't, like, reasons like that is why I still don't trust Bleacher Report <laughs> on stories, because that's the kind of stuff they used to do, and they say they've gotten away from that, but you look at a Bleacher Report headline, and you look at it, even an ESPN, um, who uh, we've got later in the show who did something wrong this week, uh, the news outlets are often wrong on stories, and, like, it, Bleach Report's headlines are still, like, super cheesy, very clickbaity, like, not very legitimate. Like, they don't have reporters at Bleach Report. They have bloggers, and they call them, like, they they try to call them journalists. They're their blogger. Like, it's fine that they're a blog, but just be what you are. Yeah. So that's what just still rubs me the wrong way about Bleach Report. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, Lee's in next week. So I th- believe he'll be on Monday. But if not, he'll, he'll definitely be on next Friday if he's not on Monday. Um. He's doing some things around USC right now with smaller sports. I know he's got an interview with uh, one of South Carolina's tennis players. Um, and he got some very interesting insight on South Carolina's new weight room coach for the football team and a few other things he's doing right now. So he'll be in to talk about all of that and football in its entirety, college football in its entirety, uh, hopefully Monday, if not next Friday. And then Super Bowl week, we'll obviously have um, a Friday show with a guest. Our, Ra- our Ravens guest, yeah. guest Ian Pizzeni from, what was it? What didn't we have him on? Like 
Ben Armand right before they played the Patriots in the regular season. And to his credit, pretty much everything he said about that game happened. Yeah. So uh, he definitely knows his stuff. He's uh, a Ravens uh, insider. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, like, and um, so we'll have him on that week. And uh, obviously the Monday after, we'll probably do just like we did for the National Championship game and do a full just show dedicated to the Super Bowl. Um, we had a lot of fun doing Wednesday's show. So if you liked it, let us know. And we'll do more, like, specials of big games or something like that. We'll keep that going going forward. Uh, but for today, we're going to start right here in Columbia because Wednesday night, number 10 Kentucky came to Colonial Life Arena, and for the fourth time in Cal's career, he's come to Columbia and lost. Uh, coach Cal is a Kentucky head coach, just make sure you know Yeah, that. so John Calipari is – he, like, it's, it's kind of weird, the thing that South Carolina has with Kentucky because – Kentucky will either come in here and blow South Carolina out of the water by 30 points. I've seen them do it plenty of times. Like whenever they had John Wall and Anthony Davis. In the I was business. I was at the Anthony Davis game, so that's Cal's only championship at Kentucky. I was at the that's Anthony Davis game when I was in, I think I was in middle school then. Yeah, because I was right? there too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is, yeah my, my buddy got tickets for his birthday, um, and – he invited me to go with him and his parents, and we came up and watched the 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 game, the the Anthony Davis game. And I remember watching Anthony Davis tunk all over South Carolina. Um, and there were probably four times as many Kentucky fans in the building that as there were South Carolina fans that day, which is typically the case because South Carolina fans they showed up Wednesday night to their credit. But it's a different animal when you play Kentucky. Like, Kentucky travel. Kentucky basketball fans travel unlike, I would say, unlike any other group in the world as far as, like, sports fans traveling. LSU baseball is up there. South Carolina baseball usually travels pretty well. Vanderbilt baseball is pretty decent. But, like, I I would, like, Kentucky basketball is probably, I mean, they're in the SEC anyway, like, more so than any other fans' football teams. Um and it's just more prevalent in, in basketball and baseball because they're closer to the field. And, like, you can see these large clusters of people wearing the same color more so in smaller stadiums. And then they chant. So in case you didn't, they start yeah. the go big blue thing going. I remember the Anthony Davis year, too. And one thing also I thought was cool is the amount of players that would go on to play in the NBA from that team, and I guess some of the various other ones. It's like good. Like that's basically a celebrity show from the time they got off the bus. It's like, wow, and these dudes, for a lot of them, turned out to be really good in the pros. Oh, for sure. But as for Wednesday's games goes, we'll start at the end with your man, Kuznard. Inbounds the ball, or, or South Carolina inbounds the ball with four seconds. They get it to Kuznard. He had zero intentions of driving to the hoop. With the, I mean, four seconds is plenty of time to get the ball down the court <laughs> and take a decent, you know, shot. And so he, he had zero intentions of going to, to the lane. Dri- kind of, you know, takes his time at half court, dribbles up, pulls up for three, drills a butter, buzzer beater. Colonial life goes crazy. Uh, this is the only South Carolina basketball game I've watched in this entire – actually, the only basketball game to this point now the football season's over. This is the only one I've watched in this entirety all year. Uh, Brendan and I were watching Wednesday and I, I mean, honestly watching South Carolina basketball enough to know this is kind of what South Carolina does. They'll find a way to get back into games. And then just when you think they're going to win, they'll still lose. Yep. Uh, but to their credit, they like, they hung on and an incredible buzzer beater. Final score of that game was 81 to 78, by the way. Yeah. Incredible buzzer beater. I mean, but you look. At the start of this half, right? So you see 
two completely different teams. South Carolina scores, what, 25 points in the first half? Yep, 25 and 56 in the second. It's, that's ridiculous. It's double the amount of points. What was it? Their shooting percentage in the first half was something like 25%. And then I think in the second half, it was a, between 55 and 60. I don't know what happens. Like, it's almost as like if they uh, went in the locker room and got it together, worked on their uh, form or whatever, and came back out there and were hitting all cylinders. They could not, like, they had 30 points through the first 25 minutes of this game. Yeah. I remember looking at the clock, and there were 16 minutes in the second half, and, like, they. They had, like, 30 points. They could not score. I always think that's weird. I even see this a lot, like, high school games. It's like, literally, y'all shoot basketballs your whole life, you know, in practice every day. We get in this game, get in the Colonial Life Arena, and we can't make the basket. It's like, how like, does that happen? Yeah. I mean, there's not, like, ba- like basketball is, you score more in basketball than you do in any other yeah, sport. Yeah, like, exactly. It's the only thing you do. It's, it's Repetition. you got 90 feet to go. It's score Not even 90 feet. Like, you don't have to go all 90 feet to score. Yeah. And you shoot, but then when you watch games like this, it's frustrating because you can't buy a bucket yeah. in the first 25 minutes of this game. In the last 15, you throw up 50 points. So it, it's it's crazy. Like, just like, you, I mean, it's kind of, it's mind-boggling how you you watch basketball games sometimes where teams just cannot score. It's ridiculous. A.J. Lawson, big part of that for South Carolina, big part of the struggles for South Carolina Wednesday night. So AJ Lawson's supposed to be. This is supposed to be his year. He had a great year last year, and probably it, his injury at the end of the season definitely hurt South Carolina's tournament chances. Uh, so what what happened with it? He had an ankle injury, right? I'm not sure. You remember it was his, it was his ankle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. some some lower body injury that happened in the like right near the Tennessee was it the Tennessee game, the second Tennessee game. I know they had like two or three games to go. In the season, and AJ Lawson goes down, and he was out. Yeah, it was it was definitely. Toward, I think he might have uh, like sprained his ankle okay. badly or something. All right. Yeah, it was towards the end of the season. Yeah. Anyway, he has a he has a great freshman year. This is supposed to be his year. Last night he goes one from five, uh, one from five, one for five from the field, and three for six from the line, and finishes the night with five points in thirty one minutes and three rebounds. Yeah, so not the best night for him. No, like, and you're supposed to be. I mean, this is Kentucky. Like, if you need a player any night of the week, like, you pick him for your big games. Like, you want to – if you can only win half your games, you want to beat the best opponents. Big, so That goes with the expression, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. Yeah, it, it's – it's like, it was – he could not buy anything last night. And he had the um, two free throws at the end of the game. Yeah, missed, yeah, missed two free throws at the end of the game. Or, like, he hit – or he hit two at the end. Yeah, well, yeah, he made a he made a big layup, and then like the announcers are like, "Where has he been all game?" Yeah, that was and then his he first got field to goal. The line, and they were they were up two points, and if he would have made even one of those, yeah, you know, it would have been a different story. And that's because that was right before Kentucky tied it up. Yeah, and then, and then, then they go the down, and, of course, and then yeah. you and I were like. They're gonna lose this yeah. game for sure. <laughs> yeah, if if Kentucky ties it up, no way we get a game winning shot. No, uh, no, I, no. That's I mean, it's like I'm not the biggest basketball fan, so I'm not gonna sit here and say I've watched every South Carolina basketball game over the last thirty years because it's certainly not true. Um, but you like when a buzzer beater happens, you see it if you're a fan of even the school's other sports. I don't like this kind of thing doesn't happen. It's not, like they don't win by crazy shots at the end of games and, like, just find a way to get themselves back. Like, they were down – Like I saw a few Kentucky fans, like, not a lot of them, 
Um, Kentucky basketball fans are just, they drive me crazy because they think they're the elite of the elite. And in the SEC, they are. But call it like how you want it. Like, I will say this. Like we just said earlier, you said it was surprising. John Calipari has one national championship at Kentucky and is, how long has he been there now? 10, 15 years? Yeah. So, like, you're not as good as you think you are. You're not Duke. Duke has three. You're not North Carolina. I think North Carolina has three. Um, you're not, like, I mean, Louisville has just as many as you do. Yeah. And I guess they got theirs vacated, but for, that was for the players, you know, the recruits being in rooms with strippers, not because of their on-court play. So <laughs> Just the I, recruiting department. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, rec- like, I don't like, you can't really take that title away from them because the recruits hung out with strippers. Like, they still won the title on the court. Um, it's almost as if Coach Cal has a really good job of developing players, but as far as like championships, well, does he even really do that? Fun. I mean, well, yeah, see, yeah, I get what you're saying because they're already like really good players from off the rip. But yeah, Coach Cal, does he really develop talent? I'm, th- I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I sat there watching this game the other night, and I'm thinking about how much coaching in basketball doesn't matter as far as player development. Like you'll help them, like in college basketball in particular, like. You'll help them a little, but like it's pretty much just X's and O's. Like you're you're not you got a year to develop a player. Like that's not nearly enough time. Like you pretty much know who's going first round in the NBA, and, and you can pick a, a lot better than any other sport who's going to be the MVP of the NBA when they're against their AAU peers when they're thirteen, fourteen years old. Yeah, like, it's the most like athletically based, gifted, you either got it or you just don't sport there is. It's kind of like running backs. Like a major sport. Yeah, it's like running backs. Like, you're like okay, can you cut this and the third? We're going to basically, I guess that's a good comparison because we're going to basically teach you how to make it into like a scheme. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, that's what they were talking about with Michael Jordan. A lot of other guys who used to stay in college, it's like, okay, now we're going to teach you how to fit in like a scheme or like a – not a formation, but you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We're you're going to fit you, inside our system. Yeah, you're going to teach you how to fit into a system, and hopefully that'll help you in the league. But, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think one of the Alabama strength and conditioning coaches used to say, it's like, we already get you. You're a nice car. We're just trying to turn you into a Lambo. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, like, I mean, that's kind of – that's that's fair, but, like, I just don't see where, like, coaching in basketball is – like, I would, say th- I would say this. Coaching in basketball – you can get a stat nerd to coach you in basketball a hell of a lot. And, like, if you have a stat nerd coach you in football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, whatever. The co- the stat nerd in basketball is going to do a hell of a lot better than the coaches in, in than his peers in any other sport just because it's so player talent-based. And that's just the nature of the sport. Yeah. So, like, I don't – like, I have a hard time, like, buying into um, when people talk about the player development of college basketball coaches. I, I literally – I really just – put so much of it to being X's and O's and these guys know the sport and they know their opponents and they know what they see better than anyone else in the world. And that's what makes a good basketball coach versus being a talent developer like in football where you have to take a high school body and make it an NFL body. Like that's a big change compared to a college uh, or a high school basketball body to an NBA body because you're out of high school at 18, you're into the NBA at 19. Like there's just not a lot of time there for a coach to even be able to do that. Yeah, I can get what you're saying. I would say also part of the similar, I guess you say, to football in some ways, like the strength and conditioning staff, let's say at Duke, 
really help Zion Williamson uh, become even more yeah. uh, faster, explosive. So things like that is about put who you put in uh, in position to help the athlete. So, yeah, I can see it either way. Yeah, yeah. I, I always thought it was an interesting point. I was just sitting there thinking about it last night. Like I said, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, is it like it, we hear so much about coaching in every sport, and in the one sport, like it really just doesn't matter as much is is basketball. It's It's so much more – X's and O's than anything else for the coaching. Now, I'm not saying that's not important because it absolutely is because you look at the guys who are good at X's and O's in basketball, Coach K, Coach Cal, you know, uh, Izzo. Um, those guys, like, are far more successful than the ones who can't do X's and O's. So it, it's your system versus another system a lot of times versus the talent you've created uh, versus the talent they've created because I think in most of like, the naturally – gifted athletes like the Kentuckys and Dukes of the world who get year after year the most gifted athletes in the in the world um they're going to beat the guys who are junior who have who, the teams who have grown juniors and seniors and, and those kids are two or three years older and they're two or three years more developed but it, it just doesn't matter because there's such a gap between the top of the top and like the right under that. I would say probably the only year where it was like the developing team won whenever I think Gonzaga beat North Carolina that year. Yeah. That was probably one of the – I think – was that Gonzaga? Yeah, it was Gonzaga because yeah, that was the soccer on Final Four. Yeah, because you had a lot of guys from North Carolina. Well, I, I don't know specifically, but generally they have a lot more one-and-dones in Gonzaga. It's okay, you're going to be at three years. And Yeah, for sure. I think there were two or three seniors on that Gonzaga Yeah, team. yeah. So that's the only case I've, I know off the rip where it was like that. Yeah. I, it was just interesting. I'm glad you brought it up. But we'll get back to the game. So we said a loss and struggled. Kotsar also struggled. I don't know. Kotsar only played for like, I think 11, 12 minutes. So it was like not very long. Zero points. Had four rebounds. Got into foul trouble like immediately. But who was, who also, who, that's another thing about this game is they were like, I think with 20, I think five minutes into the second half or two, three minutes into the second half, there were already like 32 fouls. In this game, which is <laughs> crazy. So they were in the one and one. Crazy, crazy. Early. Like I mean, both like on both sides, like refs were calling everything. So they called everything, tight. everything, everything. Yeah, like they wouldn't let them get away with any single thing. And it's not like they were even getting away with things. It's like at some points, like I'm listening to the commentators like say that the refs are stretching to make this call, but it's not like they were being unfair. I mean, you you can't say that they favored one side to the other. Um, Kentucky had less foul trouble than South Carolina, but I don't think it was unfair. Like, they were just calling every single thing. Yeah. So, it, it was it was crazy. It makes a game take so much longer. And, and I think a lot of things, like, you don't want to see, as a basketball fan, the I think why people are drawn to basketball is because it's so quick. And, like, it just, you it's like, boom, go down, take my turn, boom, your position. Your possession happens. Like, the constant stoppage is like that. Those are the annoying. The games that get tough to watch. Because um, then you are, and then you have the natural the TV timeouts, eight minutes, six minutes, four minutes. It's like, oh my gosh! Like at some point, you start, especially I, I guess being at the game, you sit there and you're looking at those assistant coaches whenever they're pulling out the uh, the extra seats. Like, oh my gosh, not this again! Yeah, it, it's that was ridiculous. The, the amount of fouls. Are, and um, I didn't watch the Tennessee game, but Brendan was telling me the the Tennessee game, and I saw this a lot on Twitter last night. Was like just as bad. For, for both sides, again, that there were just, like, refs were just being so picky and calling every single thing. Like, that makes a basketball game tough to watch. Like you, I don't know, like, you can't get on them too much because they did call a fair game. Um, but, like, at what point do you have to, like, if you're the SEC, like, like all right, like, we just, 
you know, you just have to, uh, like, call, call us, like, we don't need every single, like, Nick, like, tic-tac-y thing, like, called, um, I, speaking, I want to look this up real quick, oh, well, but you, I saw a great tweet last night. While you're looking that up, this is also kind of going to the thing where basketball is a lot more, um, you know, it used to let you play a little bit more, now you can't even hand check, and you're seeing that at the college level, too. Okay, all right, we saw, all right, this is, so everyone, uh, we've talked about it a little bit, we talked about it during football season, so the SEC officiating, uh, team or whatever made a social media account the best thing to come out of that account is the the, the parody account sec officiating but with three f's um and it's at sec officiating with two f's underscore in the uh in the at but it said they tweeted out last night to all the at kentucky men's basketball fans cry they just basically they just pose as sec officiating um but here we go to all the at Kentucky men's basketball fans crying in our DMs, please realize we actually call more fouls against at Gamecock men's basketball than we did against you. Calls made by our officials wouldn't have mattered if you hadn't have gotten out, rebounded, turned the ball over 15 times, and blew a 14-point lead. So <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a pretty good – that was that's where you got a lot of traction last night uh, around the SEC. And their, their tweets, like I've kind of been following that account for a little while. Um, or I don't – actually, I don't think I follow them, but I just – I see their stuff a lot, and I'll – I'll look them up when something weird happens in a, in a game. Uh, but yeah, that account, might, if you're on Twitter, that might be worth a follow for you. Cause like they, they like have a little fun with it. And I wish like, obviously the actual SEC officiating account can't say that, but I mean, I guess it could, but they, they probably shouldn't. If you want to look, you know, like your objective. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like they do it. It's kind of to a point where like, if the SEC officiating account, like the actual one, just had someone with a little bit of humor, like run it and someone who can make fun of themselves a little bit, people wouldn't hate SEC officiating as much. Probably so. So like, it's just because Twitter is the vocal minority. Like those are the people calling into radio shows. Like those are the people you hear the complaints from. Um, and those complaints kind of stem down the tree to the people who are less vocal and, and maybe like, just don't jump like spur of the moment. But if you say something enough times, like the people who don't say as much, start to, like, that starts to sink into them, too, and, like, they tend to, like, follow. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, if you have a little fun at yourself and the people on Twitter kind of lay off of you because they see you having a little fun at yourself, like, I don't know, like, I think the, the pressure around officiating isn't as funny. I, I do think there's a little something to that as well. But we'll go back to, to Kuznard, away from Kotsar, who had a not great night. Kuznard, we mentioned this a second ago. Career high in points. Career high in minutes with 34 good points, by the way, 26. Uh, career high in field goals made. Career high in field goals attempted. He went 9 for 22. And a career high in threes made. If you look up his career stats right now on Gamecocks Online, um, you will see his his highs, his career highs, like 70% of his career highs occurred in, in Wednesday night's Kentucky game. Just because, like, he's – that's just how good he was. Like, he was the only thing happening – on South Carolina, well, him and Keyshawn Bryant were the only thing happening for South Carolina on the floor. Like, he scored more points by himself than South Carolina scored in the first half of this game the other night. That's insane to think about. He all, he went 4 for 5 for the three-point range, and by the way, uh, 17 of his 26 points were in the second half. So something happened in that locker room, but whenever he came back out, he came out uh, uh, hitting all the shots. Yeah, Keyshawn Bryant had a few big plays. Um, he ended the night with 15 points. And, and like, just... He had a few viral moments on Twitter last night. I, 
that we thought would probably top the game until we saw Kusnar's buzzer beezer. Yeah. Uh, but there was a few dunks in there that were pretty big, and and I mean one of them Brendan just like popped out of seat on. <laughs> so uh, dunks don't like I'm like I said like I'm not the huge like biggest basketball guy like dunks don't really like I don't know they just don't I I would rather see like a deep three someone pull up from the logo like that's just more like pleasing to me I guess because yeah. it looks way harder. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is kind of cool when someone like throws down, but Brendan is, Brendan loves the dunks. So like, if he dunks. pops out of the seat for a dunk, like it's a good dunk. That was a fiery <laughs> dunk. For sure. <laughs> and so in this game with uh, Kentucky losing this game, this is now their third loss to an unranked opponent this season. Meanwhile, the game got. All right. Who was the second to, so they lost to who? Uh, Evansville or something? Their third game of the yeah, year? Yeah, Kentucky. Is it Evansville? Yeah, they were like a small school in Kentucky and they beat Kentucky in Rupp. Yep. Who was the other team they lost to? Uh, they've lost to Evansville. They've lost to. We are looking this up. Find that, find that out. So yeah, so they lose. This is their third loss, and they'll probably drop to I don't know, probably number sixteen or so. Auburn also lost to Alabama the other night. Duke lost to Clemson. Um, they lost to Utah as well. Oh, Utah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right. So, but and so Kentucky's third loss, but South Carolina. This is a big win for them. They've got. They have a, a very weird, weird, weird season. So they're not doing very good. They're a nine and seven, right? And they're they're almost a five hundred club. But their wins are really good. They've got really good wins. They they won at Clemson by I think like ten points. Um, Clemson just beat North Carolina and Duke in within a week of each other, which is probably the first time it's ever happened in their program history. I don't know that for a fact, but I would imagine that's the case. I I know for I, a fact that it was the first. I think they were like fifty nine. Like they lost fifty nine times to UNC in in Chapel Hill. Yeah, yeah, they never. Yeah, they never beaten UNC in Chapel Hill. They finally did that. Yeah, but I can't imagine them ever beating Duke and UNC within a week of each other. I I can only imagine they've maybe done it in a season a couple times. Um. And then, so South Carolina beats beat Clemson, so a little bit of transitive property there. But so they beat another bubble team. I mean, that's, that'll help you out. And then they won. Virginia's not ranked now, uh, and I think they just lost again to Florida State the other night. But they lost. They or South Carolina won in Charlottesville at number nine Virginia earlier in the season. Uh, I think they still. I think they still stand as the most points scored against Virginia. Um, and then they just beat Kentucky at home. So they have two pretty good road wins, but they also have a loss to Houston by 20 points at home. Uh, they lost to Boston at home. Um, they lost to Wichita State playing in the tournament in Cancun by 23. <laughs> so, I mean, Wichita State is going to be, I, like, if Wichita State doesn't just kill it this year, it, they'll they'll be a comparable team for South Carolina. Like, why would you let them in the tournament? Here's a tournament team that they're playing, Wichita State. They lost to them by 23. Um, and then they lost to Stetson at home. So, and the Stetson loss came out right after the Virginia win, right? Yeah, and they were uh, twenty-two point favorites in that game. Yeah, I mean that's a that's like at a, home. Yeah, that's a game you can't lose. One thing ironic about that game was the team uh, Stetson was led by a guy uh, named Christian Jones. He went to high school at Cartoon at the private school, and he was their high point man with eighteen points, four rebounds. One assist, so you got beat by the hometown kid. He probably never expected to ever come to no. play Colonial Life Arena and then beat the home school. It's crazy. No, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure that was a fun day for him, like to beat a team who was in his own backyard and probably didn't give him an offer. No, yeah, exactly. Um, not that they should have. I mean, I don't like if you're playing at Stetson, you 
probably weren't ever going to play in South Carolina. No, no offense, but uh, that's just kind of how, how it goes. But, yeah, so then South Carolina has upcoming. They've got A&M Saturday, Auburn next Wednesday at Auburn. Uh, they're also at A&M. And then they'll be back home against Vandy on the 25th. I would It would not shock me if they lose to A&M, beat Auburn by 10, who is was ranked number four in the nation, and they're going to drop back. Uh, but it will probably still be a top-ten team. And, and then lose again to Vandy the 25th and just go 500 this whole year and just beat the best teams in the country but never beat the worst teams, which I would honestly – like it's a little bit infuriating to beat the good teams and lose to the bad teams um, or lose to the teams you should beat. But would you rather lose to all the bad teams? Like that's a weird – or would you rather lose to all the good teams and never be able to climb the hill? Or to know you can do it and just not be able to do it. Yeah, I think that's what bothers fans, coaches, whoever, the players. It's like, so we have the capacity to beat them, the potential to beat them, and we just don't. So we kind of like show up for this for this big game, but the little team is that play down to the standards. Yeah, all right, we'll move on quickly. We'll get in a little bit of Odell Beckham Jr. talk. I know we talked a little bit about this the other day. Yeah. Um, Odell is giving us some more news. Yeah, th- this, is, this is getting like, it's even more now. And as I've had two or three more days to think about it, like, it's just, it's so stupid to me. It's so dumb. And we talked about this a little bit before the show. He is just so dumb for for this. I mean, for a lot of things. Like, kicking a field goal on that and all that. That's just stupid and weird and, like, typical, like, diva wide receiver stuff that's just, like, dumb. Um, but it's not really that big of a deal, like, off the field. Like, that's not, like, it's not an issue at all. Yeah. Um, so, the New Orleans police did, uh, Thursday put out an arrest warrant, I think this is like 2 o'clock, maybe 2, 3 o'clock, put out an arrest warrant for OBJ because, I mean, basically he's just dumb, but he slapped a police officer on the, on the butt uh, in the locker room the other night after a game, like playing around with him. And like you, you said, we were talking about this before the show, and I think we both agreed, like this is the kind of thing the kid who didn't get disciplined at all as a four-year-old doing this stuff, he never got disciplined at all doing it as a four-year-old, so he just continues to do it as a 30-year-old, and he looks like a child. And it is real. Now that you say the 30-year-old, it's like, you're too old for how old, he, how old is OBJ? He's he's, 30, he's like close on, close on 30, Anywhere right? above, like, 15, you should know. When you were, like, 10, you should uh, yeah, know better. Yeah, I mean, I would already, <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's 20, 27. I would say, like, over, like, seven or eight years old. Like, you should know. You do not hit a police officer in any case. And then, like, it's funny because it's after he hits him, he kind of looks at the police officer like, oh, was that too much? It's like Odell. Usually, I'm supportive of you. Just go be great. But some of this stuff, you you just cannot do that. And so now you're getting arrested. And then also, I think one can say it's like although LSU won the national championship, it's like Odell Beckham Jr. is all over this thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, do you? I think this is exactly what Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> wants. Like he wants all the attention, which is very annoying to me. Like like I said the other day, like generally I'm indifferent about Odell. Like I don't really care. I'm not. I watch the NFL. I'm not. I don't have an NFL team. Um. I'm a Red Sox fan, diehard, so I'll root for the Patriots when they're playing. But if they lose, I don't care. Like, it's just, I'm not, I would never consider myself a fan of any team. So I just kind of like watching across the board. And OBJ on the field, I don't really, like, care. I don't, like, I'm pretty indifferent about him. But he had a pretty, like, not great year. His team sucked. All they did was talk trash over the offseason. And I wanted the Browns to be really good. Like, I wanted to watch the Brown storyline. I wanted to see them. I think everybody did. Um, maybe except for Colin Coward. 
who was right in it all, which is so funny. Yeah. Like, man. even when I disagree with Colin Coward a lot, and the way he goes at Baker, I can't hate more. But he's right on a lot of it. Like, Colin, Colin knows his stuff. Colin and the Browns missed the playoffs, and they went one. They won what six games? Uh, I think they went six and ten. Had to fire their coach, which they never should have hired in the first place. Uh, yeah, they only had four. He had a thousand yard year, which is obviously good for him. But yeah, he only had four touchdowns on the year, so not, <laughs> yeah, a, not yeah. a great year. I mean, him. here's he had four touchdowns this year. Jordan Jefferson had four touchdowns in the first half of college football playoff national semifinal. Yeah. So, I like he. Odell comes in, and the whole night, like, is about OBJ, um, obviously. As soon as the game, like, all, we see him 45 times throughout the broadcast. And here's a good bit where you can blame this on ESPN, because ESPN creates these kind of people. Why is ESPN so obsessed with certain people in sport? And you could say, well, it's because they're the biggest, you know, stars in the sport and fans are drawn to them. Well, ESPN does a lot to create that. Like, if you think, I absolutely love Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is my favorite athlete of all time. I mean, he's not the best out, best college football player of all time. Well, not the best athlete of all time. That's probably Bo Jackson. Um, Dion, Dion's in the conversation. I would still, th- I would still say Bo Jackson. But ESPN shoved Tim Tebow down the throat of every single American for the past 15 years now. And I think that's the reason why so many people hate him. And now it is the reason why a lot of people love him. But every single Tim Tebow story, they make the biggest deal out of it. And it's the same with OBJ. And it's kind of the same with Antonio Brown. But Antonio Brown deserves it now because he's that crazy that it is news. But like, ES- like a lot of like ESPN is creating these people in sport, making them way bigger than they really are, and I think OBJ suffers from, I don't want to say suffers, or is caught up in that partly, because ESPN makes such a big deal about everything he does, and not just ESPN, I mean Fox too, Um, but uh, let's be honest, people don't watch Fox like they watch ESPN, Um, but yeah, like, and so you're showing him 45 times a game during the game, so I can't I can't, like, not stop looking at OBJ. <laughs> Maybe that was one of the advantages to watching the Megacast. You don't want to see OBJ every 10 seconds? Watch the Megacast. I'll think about that next year. Um, <laughs> but you got Shout OBJ. Shout out to the Megacast. <laughs> and then you get uh, the coach's film, whatever it's called. You Then OB- immediately after the game, why am I seeing, uh, between cuts of Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Solaire, I see Odell Beckham Jr. acting like a child, like he just did everything for a championship he did not win, you know? He is nothing more than a fan in this game. Like, media loves to hate on fans for, like, acting like, it's for using the the royal we. I don't, should Odell Beckham Jr. be allowed to? He had no effect on the product on the field this year. <laughs> um, well, maybe he did, I don't know, because it's after the game actions would, would point to the fact that maybe he did. So then, like, between, but what I was about to say, between cuts of Joe Burrow and Clyde edwards Blair. <laughs> Sharing a very special moment after winning a national championship together and going fifteen and zero, I see Odell Beckham Jr. like doing snow angels and confetti or whatever. <laughs> like I don't, I don't need to see him. ESPN, get him off of my screen because you're just contributing to like this kind of stuff. He then very clearly <laughs> hands Justin Jordan Jefferson a stack of cash on the right in front of a, like a stack of cash, <laughs> and he's not. It's not just Jefferson. It's like every player on the field. Right, and we had the the weird question the other day about the whole headphones thing. 
Um, and, and I get why that doesn't go. Like, I didn't know. I didn't like, I would, my question was like, why, well, why does that not do it? Why does that not cross an NCAA violation? Because it's still strange to me. Um, but I guess if he donates to the school and the school team, like the school team issues, then, then th that kind of makes sense. Um, not that I have a problem with that. I mean, if, if you graduated from school, you should certainly be able to give players, you know, beats headphones or whatever. And you should, you should be able to give them the cash, but that's not the point. You, uh, like you, you can't, and then you do this and now you put LSU in a very compromising position and you hurt all of those 20, 18, 19, 21, 22 year old kids who like are playing a sport to try to make a name for themselves, a lot of them, and then some of them, another lot of them, the, the majority of them are playing to get themselves through college and to get an education. But the ones who didn't go to cut, like, you, I, I love the saying, we didn't come here to play school, because I think that's true in a lot of cases. Like, like I don't care if I, if my athletes go to class, like the, the team, like, they didn't come to play school. They're, you're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, then you have like things like this happen and, and like, it's just when you put those athletes in a compromising position, OBJ did by handing them cash and, and it's just kind of dumb. And then we see Monday or Wednesday, an episode of part of my take, the number one sports and recreation podcast in the world. Um, I've listened for forever. I don't think I missed an episode since like September, 2016. Um, they put out a video or a recording the other day who Joe Burrow was on and, uh, Ed Orgeron were on very good interviews from both sides. Those guys are very close with the LSU program. Uh, and they do really funny stuff with him, right? So Joe Burrow goes on and says, basically, he said, they asked him if OBJ gave, the the host asked him if OBJ gave Joe Burrow cash. And he was like, well, I'm not a student athlete anymore, so yeah, he gave me cash. Um, and, and basically is what, what he said. And then you see ESPN yesterday, or uh, yeah, yesterday as you're listening to this, Headlines pop up everywhere, maybe two days ago, might have been one second, pop up everywhere that Joe Burrow has confirmed I, in this interview that Odell Beckham Jr. was handing out real cash. Real cash was the word they used in their headline and in their story. This is so dangerous as a, like a, like a person of media to write, he confirmed that because he did not ever say that it was real. And for you to make that stretch and then say that he said it, this is where I think a lot of times players, coaches, fans, uh, regular citizens with other like political issues or whatever, don't trust the media. Yeah. Because Joe Burrow did not say that. And it's like the common person just going by and hear that. They just say, okay, he did and it is accurate. And really what it is, it's like you're playing with a lot of fire there. It's like, you, and you know what they say, if you play with fire, at some point you'll get burnt. Yeah. Um, and. Like, it's just, I think at minimum, I wanted to mention this quickly and we're going to move on because we got a few other things to get to. But why is that, that, nothing will happen to that reporter, but he should be suspended at the very minimum for saying, like, making such a serious allegation about Joe Burrow. Like, that's nothing, like, you were just basically saying Joe Burrow admitted to NCAA violations that other LSU players took. He didn't say that. Like, yeah, no, and we can all put the two clues together. Like, duh, OBJ was handed out real cash. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think OBJ was giving out fake money after I just said he was giving out real money. He absolutely was handing them cash. We can connect those dots. But to say that he said that is a is a totally different story. 
And I think as a writer, if you crucify athletes, athletes should be allowed to, in, in the public, should be allowed to crucify you for your own mistakes. Like, I think that goes both ways. And a lot of times you don't see that. And of course, ESPN will do nothing to this writer because they'll, they'll back him because he has, like, they won't, they'll just say, oh, well, you know, it gave us a story and we were talked about for a few days and, and blah, 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 and whatever. And they don't, they're like a, they're, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, they're a spineless organization and they won't stick up for, for like what's right versus, you know, what's, what's theirs. And a lot of times they do. And I like, but in this scenario, they won't, like nothing will happen to this guy. Yes. I'd be so shocked. Like media has such a problem. It's not just an ESPN. Media has such a problem admitting their own faults. Yeah, a lot of times, one can say, like, in this fake news generation, it's like you almost have to move to the point where you're holding these writers and bloggers, whatever the case may be, account writers, because those are credible. Yeah, uh, writers. Holding them accountable. Blogger says this, who cares? Yeah, because if you hold them accountable, then and then you give them, like, reparations, whatever the case may be, then hopefully you'll start moving in the right direction. Yeah, it's it's just annoying. Like, I, I'm, I mean, and I just got done with journalism school. This is exactly what I want to do. If I make that mistake, I would certainly expect to be, you know, punished for it. Like, and that's fair. Like, that's fair. I, I don't know. Maybe this writer does think that's fair. I don't know. Uh, I, the, I don't know his or her feelings. I don't even know who wrote it. It would uh, definitely. But I saw the story. Yeah, as a domino effect, it would probably definitely cause people, instead of trying to be the first person, like, to actually, like, thoroughly listen that's to That's exactly it, what it was. And then to make sure, and it's like, okay, this is confirmed here, versus just, I can just say something, because the worst case scenario, I was wrong, but, hey, everybody else is wrong sometimes, too. Do you want to be first, or do you want to be accurate? And my thing with ESPN is... You don't need to be first. You're yeah. ESPN. If Fox reports it, I'm not turning on Fox to see their story. Because if Fox reports it, now you have it and you can say it. You, I'm turning on ESPN because you're ESPN. So if you're ESPN, you don't need to be first. <laughs> Just be right. Like, how many times are you going to turn on... C- a perfect example. CBS Sports breaks a story. Do you care if CBS breaks it? Because ESPN is going to break it two minutes later. Which one are you turning? You're not turning on CBS. You're turning on ESPN, aren't you? The worldwide leader of sports. You are. So it's it's far more important for them to be accurate than to be first. Now, if he, if this guy is at CBS, I, I kind of see it, maybe. Like, I can see why you would rush, jump the gun a little. But I guarantee if he was at CBS, he would be taking a lot more criticism than he is right now. Because people love to go. Like, <laughs> this people, is why we don't go to CBS. Yeah, yeah. It's like we do. Like, I just don't think it was, you know. I mean, it's a big deal for him to say that Joe Burrow said that, and it's, we shouldn't just let him off the hook. Uh, I don't think he should lose his job, but, you know. Actions have consequences. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I just don't think media should be hypocrites about everything. So, all right. Anyway, we'll go back to OBJ. OBJ, just turn yourself in for this arrest warrant you have out for you. I'm surprised that he hasn't already. Just pay your fines. You're a multimillionaire, and just be done with it. And say, you know what? I'm sorry. It was my bad. Um, and then now you have this whole cash issue to worry about, which LSU has worked with the NCAA immediately. They said, which good move, also good move by LSU to put on every social media account. Like, Hey, we saw this happen because you can't deny it. Like, I mean, everyone was, in the world was, saw it happen. <laughs> Odell did it in front of the cameras. So he, he didn't even wait till they got to the house. No, he's going to do it right in front How of everybody. How pissed do you think Coach O is? I was How thinking pissed? that I would too. Be, I would never allow him in my locker room again, ever. I think he's such a brand and like such a like a uh, notable alumni. They probably will, but I, I bet it's kind of like, like, bro, like really, like I don't like man. I don't. You don't. If you're LSU, you don't need OBJ. Yeah. If you're OBJ in the off season, you need LSU to look good a lot more than you think you do right now, because a lot of people are criticizing you. But if you can stick yourself to something good, 
go back to Baton Rouge where you never really did anything wrong. Like, but now you just kind of screwed that up for yourself too. If if LSU gets in trouble, like, they get in trouble. Those people are very upset. Oh, oh yeah, they get in trouble. I'd be pissed. Yeah, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's just dumb. Like he he's it's just dumb. Uh, as we're sitting here talking about this, Brendan producer Brendan just shows me Dave Aranda is set to be the new who's LSU's defensive coordinator or was yesterday, not today. Uh, is going to be Baylor's new head coach. Um, oh. Pretty good move. Here's some defensive stats since the start of 2016. LSU ranks 14th in the nation in opponents' point per game, given up just under 20. Uh, 18th in given yards given up per game, 330, uh, right at 330. Uh, opponents' third down conversion percentage is 33%. That's ninth in the nation since 2016. And tied 10th in sacks at 146. That's a lot of damn sacks. Um, and Dave Aranda's defense this year, 2019, took a lot of heat earlier in the season. The last four games, they have been lights out. They struggled a little bit in the first half against Clemson. Second half, they gave up, what, seven points? Yeah. So, I mean, it, they've had a really, really strong answer at the end of the year. Um, and so with him leaving and uh, Joe Brady heading to the NFL to be the Panthers' offensive coordinator, uh, we're going to see what kind of coaches uh, Coach O has in his back pocket to bring him to LSU. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's still a good bit of guys hanging around um, LSU who can definitely do something. But LSU, like, their dynamic is completely going to change next year without Joe Burrow anyway. Um, I wish the best for Coach O, and I hope they can find someone else, and I'm sure he will. Uh, LSU is one of the hottest jobs in the country right now. I, I think as a coordinator, you can go there and say, look, Coach O's not going to get in my grill about anything because – that's He's just a motivator. Really, yeah, like I think Coach O has kind of taken that CEO type role, and I think that's something we see Dabo do, and it's worked very, very well for him. Like, let your coaches, let your coordinators coach their coach their sides, and you, you know, you do your other stuff. Um, but I think coordinators are very comfortable yeah. in those two places. It's like you set the standard. You're the CEO, the uh, heavy recruiter and heavy uh, motivator, and you let those coordinators control the offensive field. They got that under control. Defensive field, they have that under control, and I'm sure you pay the coordinators a lot of money as long as they're proven. All right, quickly we'll move on to this Kyrie Irving story real quick. Um, Brendan's going to throw this clip in uh, of Kyrie talking about his teammates right here. What uh, Does a game like this, does it kind of reiterate how much you guys need to be? I mean, you, you, everybody's calling it a bridge here until KD comes back, but I mean, you said you have big goals for this team. Does it kind of reiterate how much you guys need to improve to get on a level where you want the team to be? I mean, it, it's transparent. It, it's just out there. You know, it's glaring in terms of the pieces that we need in order for us to be at that next level. And I'm going to continue to reiterate it. You know, we're going to do the best with the guys that we have within our locker room now. And, you know, we worry about all the other stuff in terms of moving pieces and everything else as an organization uh, down the line in summer. And, uh, you know, it's just something that we signed up for. We knew what we were coming into in the beginning of the season. Guys are going down left and right for us. You know, GT's out. DJ, um, you know, got hurt tonight. Um, You know, Wilson's just coming back. And then we have complimentary, uh, you know, young guys as well that have done a great job for the last three years. So. Collectively, I feel like we have great pieces, but obviously it's pretty glaring that we need you know one more piece or two more pieces that will complement myself, KD, DJ, GT, Spence, Karrison. You know, we'll see how that evolves. Yeah, with that clip, this I realized that it's become okay. It's just become clear to me 
that Kyrie Irving is a great player, probably not the best, definitely is not the best leader, because what that kind of does is that alienates the rest of the guys in the locker room that aren't in that group of him, Cade, uh, Kevin Durant, DJ, GT, Spence, and Karis, or should I say, Levert, anyway, Levert, it alienates the rest of y'all guys, because like, y'all aren't going to be here. And it's like you really don't want that from the uh, one of the leading players of your team. All right, uh, see, I love this for a few things. Um, I love this because it, this this clip, uh, not what he said, but just because it happened for a few reasons, right? Like it's Kyrie's like a very well spoken like individual, and he seems like he takes his times to think things out before he says them. By the way, like he speaks and like his uh, like his the way he delivers it, like he's slow, methodical, like through what he says, but then he says some of the dumbest things, and, like, <laughs> I don't think he actually thinks, I think he just tries to look like he thinks before he talks, um, and he definitely throws his teammates under the bus a little here. Is he wrong? Eh, no, he's, no he's 100% right, but... Did like you say it to the media. Yeah, and you, you shouldn't say that to the media if you're, the, if you are him, for sure. I, do, does this really change my opinion of Kyrie? No, not really. This is kind of who I think he is. Um, and I don't really... Kyrie's whatever. Like, he's... Uh, I mean, I guess he's, he's... Well, he's definitely good at basketball. So, like... But this is kind of like the season you thought you were going to have if you were the Nets, right? Like, if you're a Nets fan, like, you you signed KD. He is that other piece. You know you don't have that piece this season. You're not going to go get someone else because you have KD. Like, you, so you kind of know what you're getting. And I think Kyrie knows that, too. And he's just like, yeah, we could win, but, like, we're not going to with these guys, these bums. That That's exactly how it sounds. And Which it, sucks for his teammates, but he's so right. And then he couldn't, so they cut on ESPN, and it's like, they're sitting in the kitchen with their wife and talking, and he's like, oh, <laughs> you didn't make the cut, big fella. Like like I said, it's under, sometimes what's understood doesn't have to be said, but it's like, God, Kyrie, I really wish you didn't tell the media this. Um, This is, where do you think this, let me ask you, where do you think this move came from? Because I know exactly where it comes from. What you mean? This, this move to say this to the media. I don't know. Where? where do you think this feeling comes from? I don't know. Who's his greatest mentor? Kobe. LeBron. Right? Kyrie? No, he Kobe. loves Kobe. I know he loves I know he loves Kobe, but he is LeBron James. What you mean? And the this is exactly the same thing we saw LeBron do last year with his teammates. Uh, he didn't out yeah. it in the media. Yeah. I will say that about LeBron. He didn't say it like Kyrie did. But like this is a LeBron like thing to do. Yeah. Is it not? Okay, well, it's I get what you're saying there because, yeah, LeBron did do this last year and it became evident like how it kind of – I'm not going to say division, but whenever he was sitting on the lot, on the bench way away from the rest of his team and, like, those young guys know LeBron's probably in the meeting. It's like, yo, these guys got to go. But I, I could see what you're saying here. It's just LeBron's smart enough not to say that. Yeah, it, it's like – to me it was like a LeBron thought and I think that would be a conversation that the two of them have had together. Yeah. It's like similar conversation. And Kyrie's like, all right, well, LeBron thinks that, so it's okay to think that and do things about it. But Kyrie is not LeBron, whereas, like, LeBron is, like you just said, smart enough to not say anything about it and just kind of do it. And everyone knows it's LeBron, but he never really kind of talks on it. And then Kyrie's just like, all right, I'm just going to be LeBron here. And all my teammates suck. I don't want him gone. But you can't, like, he's, it's not the same. Me and one of my friends were having this conversation. It's like you can't give young – sometimes younger people, you can't give them the instructions or like tell them this because they don't understand how to apply it. That, and so, yeah. therefore, it's like they just go say it. It's like, God, that, that wasn't supposed to be said <laughs> like that. Um, I, like, how disappointed do you think like 
LeBron was with this. Like, I'm, I feel like at some point he was like, you're so dumb. Like, I, that's how I feel like LeBron, like, and I hate LeBron, but like, it's, <laughs> it's, that has nothing to do with this. Like, I think like he's looking there. He, I, but I know for a fact, he's so, he's so much smarter to, to, than to do this because I, like, I imagine he woke up this morning or whenever and saw this and was like, dude, you're so dumb. Did I not teach you? anything like about how to be smart with the media and to go off that like he left cleveland to because he wanted to be the dude yeah. you know for yeah. another team and like but they kind of made amends he like, went last to year, the right? celtics yeah and he had good pieces around him he was the guy they didn't make it very far i yeah. mean they got they got far without Kyrie. yeah so know? yeah like he is and now he wants to be and he's and now he's it. in brooklyn like clearly he's the guy I mean, DeAndre, like, everybody's hurt, Katie's hurt, and now he has that position. But then, also, like, to go on top of that, he apologized to LeBron. Yeah. Like, for leaving. Because yeah. he did, he, like, once you're, once you leave and you're actually that guy, it's, like, it's, it's harder different. than you think. Yeah. You it's know? a whole different So that's what kind of makes it funny, too, is, like, he's... It's just, like, a lot of things, like, he's where he wanted to be, like, three years ago, but now that in he's Brooklyn, there. In Brooklyn. Yeah. City, in yeah. Brooklyn. In his hometown. Yeah. That's, like, I, like, the thing that just caught me, like, when I watched it was, like, it's such a, Le- this is, like, such a LeBron move, but not smart enough to where how, like, LeBron does it, and, like, he gets what he wants because he is the only one who's smart enough to do it in a way that he does it. Yeah. What's like, the- he's the only one that can do that because the rest of, like, He's like everyone else is so like dumb with the media. LeBron has always, always, always controlled his narrative with the media, and Kyrie like just kind of gave that up. Like he gives it up at certain points in his career, and he's he's done it. Oh, he did it a lot in Boston. Um, and Boston's a tough place to be with media, but like in New York is too. And he just kind of does it to himself. Whereas like when LeBron would do something like this, and I think the moves are the exact same. The way they handle it is so different because he's just so much smarter, and you can't see someone above you make a move and say, "All right, well, he did that. It's okay for me to do it." Because you're not smart enough to do it, like he. Could yeah, do as Drake says, always executed perfectly. I think what happens here is Rich Paul, LeBron probably calls Rich Paul and uh, Maverick Card over to the house, like, "Look, look at the kids. <laughs> look, yeah. at, look what the kids yeah. are doing over here." Yeah, and, they, and they're probably just hey, he just doesn't get it. They just going about their business. Yeah, I I think like it, it's just I don't know, man. It's it, it just kind of shocked me because I knew you sent it to me today, and I hadn't seen it. Like I don't really keep up with the NBA. Um, like, it, you, it's impossible to, like, stay away from the drama storylines, but, like, day-to-day, like, I don't watch the NBA. Yeah. Um. Ratings are down, America's not watching. No, I mean, like, I, well, I would still think it's, other than you, you're never gonna be football, like, it's number two sport in, in America, but, like, ratings are, are down, like, yeah. ratings are down, like, across all, all sports. Yeah. Um, I think football picked it up a little bit this year. But, like, the, the drama in the NBA, you cannot avoid. So, like, when something like this happens, it's just, like, what, wait. Who did this before? Like, all right, who did that before? All right, like, who's dumb enough to do this again? Like, and who's smart enough to do, like, it's just all these connections kind of come together, like, as you watch this Kyrie like, clip or listen to it. And I, I don't know, it's just, he is every, like Brendan just said, he is everything he's ever wanted to be. And he just doesn't, like, he can't own up to it. And he couldn't do it in Boston. He couldn't just say, I'm, I can't do this by myself. He, like, had to throw the, like, spread blame. And, and then, but he, you are what you want to be 
but you're just not as good at doing it as you thought you were or were going to be. Yeah. So we'll see how that continues in Brooklyn. Hopefully, I'm sure if there's a report that will come out. Like, if there's going to be some tension, we'll hear about it because those beat writers are all over it. Yeah, all right. So we'll go quickly as we wrap up here. We're going to we're gonna hit the games a little bit this weekend. Um, we won't go too far into detail with them. But AFC Championship game, Sunday at 3 o'clock, Titans and Chiefs. Last Tony Romo game of the year. Tony Romo? I've been, I've been listening to a little like, Tony talk, reading a little Tony news. So Tony Romo's a free agent. Um, as of this year, as a color commentator, I have heard and read many articles that ESPN is report like ESPN is reportedly throwing record breaking money at Tony Romo. They yeah. want to make him the richest color commentator of all time. Ten million a year? I, I don't know. No, I can't imagine. It's, I, I don't know. I Actually, saw some. I can't. I can't imagine it's Stephen A. Money um, because Stephen A. does uh, like. Stephen A. at this point could just do what Oprah did and go start his own network and fund shows. And, like, if he had the capital that Oprah does, I'm sure he would just do it because he's that hardworking. And Stephen A. could just be on TV 24 hours a day and people would watch that. I would watch that. So, like, I I love Stephen A. He cracks me up, but, like, a lot of the stuff he says is stupid and I don't want to hear it. So, like, a lot of times, like, I don't like Stephen A., but he's so entertaining that I would I would watch Stephen A. Have you seen the clip on Twitter? They keep reposting. I'm having a very bad day. <laughs> a very bad day. And Stephen A. is hilarious, man. Yeah, he he's he's the best. But anyway, like Romo getting record breaking money to go to ESPN. I it would be cool to have Romo on ESPN Monday Night Football, but at the same time, I I don't want it, and I'll tell you why. It's Monday night. You see how much pressure that Booger does a. I think he's okay. I don't yeah, like, like a, Booger. A lot of people, most people hate Booger. <laughs> you are under so much pressure, and people hate Collinsworth. People hate Aikman. I think Aikman's a drip. Like I think he's very boy. Um, but I love Joe Buck, so I'm fine with that broadcast. And but like people like Romo. They, people either really like or really hate Romo. I, I kind of like Collinsworth, but people hate I think no matter what, if you are the color commentator in a primetime slot, the only game on, people are going to hate you. Yeah. And I think it helps Tony Romo being at 4 o'clock on CBS with Jim Nance, probably, like, I mean, one of the, undoubtedly one of the best uh, play callers of all time. So, or play-by-play guys of all time. I don't, I love Joe Tessitore. I don't know that Joe Tessitore can carry... I don't think Joe Tessitore can carry uh, Tony Romo like Jim Nance can carry Tony Romo. Because Tony Romo, if you give him too much time, like anyone else, if you give him too much time to talk, <laughs> he'll like he'll just become annoying. And I like Tony very much. I don't want to hate Tony, so I don't want to see this happen. I don't see Tony and Tessitore working, because I don't think people are sold on Joe Tessitore. No. Um... And to add another piece that people still aren't really sold on yet, like I would say America at large is still unsure with Tony Romo. I think a lot of the internet loves him and a lot of the internet hates him. Um, but I don't think the average NFL fan is like indifferent on him. Uh, and like, are they just not sure what to think? And I think on you throw him on Monday night, I think you're just giving people a reason to hate him. Not to mention, sometimes, like, later on in the year, the Monday night games are kind of trash. Like, sometimes yeah, they're, like, yeah, really hitting. Well, they're bad, like, 
even at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I mean, you only see a few good Monday night games a year. And so it's like, dude, I want Tony Romo, if he's that great of a talent, on watching calling this trash game between Tampa Bay whenever they're clearly out of the playoff run. And, uh, I don't know, the Falcons can't seem to ever bring it back together. Like, probably not. So I'd like to see him stay with uh, CBS or something like that. How do you feel about Joe Testator? I like I, him. I, I like Joe Testator. It is I've heard this said before, and I completely agree with it. Joe Tessitore calling NFL football isn't right to me. Because I love Joe Tessitore, college football, uh, and college basketball. Like, Joe Tessitore was here. I remember watching the LSU game when Ben Simmons was here in Columbia, and Ben Simmons lost. Um, And just a side point in that game, some kid is standing up like maybe half an hour before the game and Simmons is on the court. And he's just screaming, show us the jumper, Ben. Show us the jumper. <laughs> and Ben Simmons goes, oh, should I, so I should listen to you. And this kid's 20 rows up. And he goes, yeah, you should listen to me. Show us the jumper. You suck. And ben Simmons doesn't shoot a jumper all game. And uh, not to my memory anyway. And then they lose. And I just hear this kid, the same kid, just screaming at how bad he sucks. Like the whole like end of the, the second half. It was hilarious. But anyway, Tess walks in to call that game. And the student section kind of goes crazy. Like the 15, 20 guys and girls sitting right behind the, the booth who knew who Joe Tessitore was. Tess walks in and they all go, Tess, what's up? Like, And he sits down and starts talking. To me, that is like Joe Tessitore. Joe Tessitore is a very like one-on-one, like kind of I-can-make-you-feel-comfortable kind of person. And he doesn't, like, Joe Tessitore is a guy, like, you'd go get a beer with and you would actually have fun with. Jim Nance is a guy you get a beer with, and, like, it's fine, but, like, he's definitely not, like, he's not someone you're going to get in trouble with. Tessitore is, like, kind of that dude. Yes, So it feels weird watching him on NFL football, but I don't hate it. Like, I like his voice. Um, And he definitely had some screw-ups this year, but, like, I just think, Tess is more fun in college because college sports are kind of, I mean, they are more fun than the NFL. Like, crazier things happen. Like, it's its more laid back because there's not as much pressure because not as many people, like, are, are watching and stuff like that. It's its just strange to me. I still haven't gotten used to that 100%. Do you like him? Yeah, I like him. I was, I was especially watching. I'm pretty sure he called the Texans game, and I was sitting there watching. Yeah, he did. But, yeah, and first, I, I enjoyed one. it, but, yeah, I, uh, I don't mind him in the NFL, but I think I prefer him in college. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my take on it um, as well. But, I mean, anyways, I don't think there's anyone else who ESPN has that's going to be better. Maybe Sean McDonough. I, I mean, I think he would be good on the NFL. He's done the NFL before. Yeah. So, I mean, he still does NFL for them every now and then. He He's done Monday Night Football. So, like, that would be – I think he would be better for it, but I think Tess probably deserves it more. So, I mean, he just has everything with ESPN. Um all right, Chiefs, back to the game, though. Titans-Chiefs. Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. I like the Chiefs to cover six-and-a-half, so buy a, buy a half point if you're going to bet on this game. Um, but like I said last week, I want the Chiefs to win, but I will be rooting for the Titans. Okay. But I won't. I will not be mad at all if the Titans lose because I want to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Just, I, can, I can very much take more of Patrick Mahomes. I love him and Andy Reid, and I really want Andy to get a Super Bowl. Yeah. But I'll... I'll Still kind of be rooting for the Titans. To break the curse. I'm going to go ahead and root for the Chiefs, and I hope that, uh, and I expect them to win this game. I think the Titans keep them off the field. Uh, Keith Patrick is on the sideline for a little while there. 
Uh, you know, obviously they have the run and pound system. Yep. Ryan, Ryan Tanner don't really have to throw the ball too much, but I expect the Chiefs to win this game. I'll say this again. You get Derrick Henry. I said it last week and it was true. Um, not that I think it was I'm any kind of special. Thousands of people are saying this. Uh, Derrick Henry gets 150 yards. The Titans, Titans are going to win. Like, your defense is good enough. They can run enough clock. Frable's smart enough to know how to beat you with, you know, just coach on coach. Um, we know Andy Reid has time clock issues anyway. Uh, Frable, if they can get 150 out of Derrick Henry, like, we're, they're, they're going to win. Okay. So, this one, I would, on this one, I would say, I, if I say 175, but that's my little difference. I say, uh, Derrick Henry has hit 175 to beat the, uh, okay. Chiefs. All right, NFC on the NFC side. This one's on Fox. It's six forty. Love the six forty start time. He's eight o'clock during the season. It's a little too late, where it forces me to stay up too late to watch the end of the game. But six forty, oh, that's nice and easy. I wish they would start him at six forty during the regular season. Um, Niners are seven point favorites, and I like the Niners with seven points. Um, but here's here's the thing about this week. I think the who you got in this one? Yeah, I got Niners, Niners as well. All right. Another oh, watch Oswald wrote this down. Watch out for Debo. The Niners are loving Debo Samuel right now, yeah. and it's been really fun to watch the last the second half of the season. Um, as a South Carolina grad, you know Debo. As many times I watched Debo play in Williams Price. If you're a South Carolina fan, and you're looking for something to watch this weekend. Watch watch Debo root for Debo Saturday. Um, and it it's but I, about this like this these four teams, I'm not gonna feel bad about whatever Super Bowl we get. Now, if the Titans get in, I am going to feel a little bit cheated, right? <laughs> because the Titans are, they're nine and, they went nine and seven, and they're not the team that any of the other three are. They're having the best postseason so far, uh, or the most impressive postseason so far. But, like, it, it's going to be, especially off the, you know, the Packers of the 49ers win, like, that's going to be really good Super Bowl. Yeah. And for NFL 100, like, you've got, you know, the Packers are probably the most historic team in the NFL. So, uh, I mean, like, I mean, the trophy is named after their guy, Vince Party. So you get them, and, and I feel like the NFL, if you ask anybody in the NFL, they want to rematch Super Bowl one Chiefs-Packers. Like, that can very easily happen, and that would be great. So in that respect, I'm rooting for the Chiefs a little bit because I just feel like the Chiefs played better all year. And, like, they're like, you would feel like they're a worthy opponent. But the Titans are like, damn good team and it just took him a while to figure it out so i like i i don't know i go i go a little back and forth i will feel a little cheated if we get the titans but that is not going to stop me from rooting for the titans this weekend um yeah i don't want to see the titans in the super bowl i i would see it because it would be a very uh physical super bowl but now i do not want to see the titans in the super bowl i want to yeah. see the chiefs and i want to see the 49ers uh, Jimmy G made an interesting point. He said it was a blessing in disguise. Well, he said something along the lines of it was a blessing in disguise for him to get injured last season because they got Nick Bosa. So I thought that was a little interesting little tidbit there. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, was it a scheme Bosa? by Shanahan this whole time? Yeah. He knew it. Maybe yeah. so. Um, yeah, that's that's a Shanahan's hat. Like We always talk about Shanahan's hat, and I saw the Niners just start tweeting it out. That's That's a great hat. Yeah. That red hat, flat bill, small, small, small San Francisco uh, logo just right in the middle. Well, it's like a perfect golf hat. Yeah, very California-ish. I like, the, uh, I like when coaches wear the same thing every week. Like, Les Miles always did that at LSU. He wore a purple pullover, like quarter zip, and white hat. He said, and Les's thing was always, he says, I think it's important for players to see consistency on the sideline so we can have consistency on the field. 
um, which was, I mean, I don't really think what you wear as a coach matters, but like, I, I like, I always kind of like when coaches have a thing like that with what they wear, like Spurry with the visor. When he would throw a hat on from time to time, it was not the same Spurrier as with the visor. Yeah. Like, it just, it was like, I, I don't like it. Your thing is the visor, just do the visor. Yeah, as a matter of fact, now I think about it, we'll must champ. It's like, ah, right, if we're going to do the glasses, do them all year. If we're not going to do the glasses, do that. I like to like know what I'm looking at every, so I know yeah. if I'm yelling at you, I know what I'm yelling at you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we're running long, so that's going to be it for the lead block today. Um, we will catch you Monday with, hopefully, Lee will be in the studio with us, so that'll be a very cool episode um and big another big weekend of football one of the last oh there's two big weekends left so it's this weekend and in, in the super bowl and we've got we've got three games left so that sucks uh but then we got the xfl so crazy stuff happening all around columbia as usual um we will see you monday like i said before the show go follow us on twitter and instagram at lead underscore block and follow matthew at matt the chosen one with the number one Myself at Tyler Walter CNR. Uh, follow me on the Action app as well for my bets. I, I throw picks in there all the time. Um, I think I said my two today. I'm taking Niners and, and Chiefs at six and a half. But yeah, if you want those, go follow them. They're there. They're public. And we'd like to say a special thank you to Ben Sound for our music. Make sure you go rate, subscribe, or subscribe, rate, review, show on iTunes, follow on Spotify, uh, tell your friends, retweet us. Tweet us any comments, questions you want on the show. Um, DM either Matthew or myself. If you don't DM the show account, that's fine too. Um, and we will catch you Monday. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.